1: Welcome, welcome, everybody,
2: to the RDL Show. We are back. It's been a bit. All right, traveling last week, uh, speaking for the first time since the pandemic started. Boy, I didn't realize how much I missed it. There's been a lot of discussion about mental health this week with uh, Naomi Osaka and her withdrawal from the French Open because of her uh, insistence that, that she has been dealing with some mental health issues, some depression, and some anxiety, and she wouldn't be talking to the press after her matches during the uh, French Open. Um, I I speak to that because I hadn't spoken in person for almost 14 months, and I, I feel like I didn't realize how much I missed it, how my mental health had deteriorated during this process and being in the company of of human beings, especially those who are trying to help um, be part of the solution. In Nashville, I spoke at the Nashville Recovery Center to the clients, to parents of addicts or alcoholics who are dealing with mental health issues, and that was was the first opportunity. Um, The speaker before me spoke on uh, losing his little brother to suicide years ago. Ironically enough, I was scheduled to fly out that night to Nashville to Chicago to spend 2 days with my baby brother. And how much in perspective it put it for me and not to take those things for granted. Then off to West Virginia where I spoke at an event where the governor of the state was there, the senator as well as head coach Nick Saban from the Alabama Crimson Tide in his home state where that a uh, state has been ravaged by the opioid epidemic. And we were trying to make a dent in that and make an impact in that and really felt like it was worthwhile. So things that exist to contribute to your mental health or deteriorate it are real. No matter what you may think of what other somebody else is going through, you don't sit in their shoes, you don't understand. So when this happened, um, I think a lot of people jump to conclusions as to she just not wanting to do something that's required in her contract or what is supposedly required when you are a professional athlete. The understanding that um, it gave her anxiety, it gave her problems, it made things difficult, wasn't really taken into perspective. In fact, the French Open followed up by the Grand Slam Committee Find her $15,000 after her first match because she didn't speak. After seeing that played out and seeing that this could get increasingly worse in terms of fines, as well as a disqualification, she chose to withdraw. She is the number two tennis player in the world. She has won four grand slams. She is the next thing I think behind Serena Williams following her in her footsteps in terms of the ability to take over the sport, uh, her, her polarizing uh, way about her, uh, raising uh, issues that are going on in the public, in the world today. And again, she's at the forefront talking about mental health. She didn't want to have to talk to the media, right? She wanted to play tennis. No one was around for years and years and years while she played tennis, while she got good just like when i was growing up playing in the you know in the streets and on the fields of of great falls montana you know there wasn't reporters there i wasn't doing press conferences that came later that came when the money came now the money is part of it it's become wound up in all of this when you become a professional athlete not only are you going to live your dream of playing the sport you love for whatever reason but you're going to get paid handsomely for it that does not mean that you are on any, in anybody's beck and call. The idea that she found anxiety around it, it contributed to a downfall in her mental health, should have been received with as much respect as somebody who says, you know, my parent died or, or, or something like that. This is a mental health medical issue. And I love that a lot of people jumped on board and talked about it and were open about it. And you can see quickly, the grand slam committee quickly uh, reversed uh, order 180 degree turn and said, we're going to take a look at how this is affecting people. I also loved how journalists spoke up and really took a look in the mirror and like, how have we contributed to, to people's mental health? Right. You know, I never want to use excuses, especially for my career and, and, how I behaved and everything like that. I didn't like talking to the media. Now, it was probably for many different reasons, but I held a a ton of anxiety around it, right? I I dealt with social anxiety disorder. So it makes sense. After competing, even after winning and winning well, you are in a state of mind that doesn't necessarily contribute to a healthy mindset when you're in front of cameras and, and microphones and getting asked the same questions over and over and over again. So the question of the day for everybody out there, as a fan, what do you or do you care if athletes do press conferences after events? I don't think a fan cares. I mean, you get some fun sound bites after big wins and things like that. But ultimately, you can do these things down the line. Now, journalists have deadlines; they have to go to print with something and make it go. But uh, I love what she did. She really could change the face of how athletes interact with the media. In fact, because of social media and your ability and your platform, you may now be able to contribute that way. You can just simply put out a statement after your performance, and that should be the end-all, be-all. I would love for that to be the case. Now, I don't know what that does to a journalist's job, and by no means do I want to put a journalist out of business. I mean, hell, we're doing an analytics show on sports you on youtube and twitter right now so we need the content but i also don't ever want to be a contributor to somebody's you know deteriorating mental health because of it i always tried when i call games to be critical of the play not the player because i remember how how that always affected me when some of my heroes i think terry bradshaw was my, my earliest hero when i first heard him on Fox NFL Sunday, um, be extremely personal and critical of my parents and how I was brought up. Um, that made me, for the longest time, look at him as someone I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to look up to anymore. Right. So I never want to be that person coming from the journalistic side of things. But if you were a player out there, and to make things to make things just even worse for the French Open, right? Uh, I think her name was it's Kvitová. Cavite- uh Kvitica, I think, uh, was, was a very high seat as well. She, walking up to the podium to do the press conference after her match, rolled her angle, rolled her ankle off a step and had to withdraw from the tournament. So, I mean, even more of a pronounced, not only is it a mental health issue, it may be a physical issue for players now getting hurt on their way to the press conference. It couldn't be worse for the French Open and how they went about this. Um, the fact that their best player uh, essentially withdrew because they were going to find her out of it because of how she went along um, with how she was feeling as a human being uh, says a lot about what the stigma looks like and how it still exists. And again, someone with a platform stepped forward, shined a light on it, and now is going to make substantive change because of it. I'm going to welcome in Charlie Moss and Sky Guasco my fellow comrades here. Um, you guys watch this play out in real time. You guys are from a, a, a little bit of a different era. You could never imagine uh, a player or one of the Williams sisters stepping up to the mic 20 years ago and saying that they're not going to talk to him and not absolutely getting beat over the head by it, by everybody you can imagine.
1: Well, two players outside of tennis, but two players that I've noticed over the years uh, in football, um, Barry Sanders but essentially never spoke to the media. Or at least we didn't see it publicly. And Marshawn Lynch, uh, who's a character outside of the game and on the field and everything, but didn't speak to the to the media and chose not to. And kind of famously in the Super Bowl, just kept repeating, "I'm only here so I don't get fined." Um, Ryan, question back to you: Athletes in general, how much freedom? I guess I'll call it freedom for lack of a better word. How much choice? I guess I'll, I'll say, um, do you have as an athlete? to just not just not talk to the media whether you are having a rough time with mental health or not you just aren't feeling it that day you had a bad game you'd rather not talk to them. Um, how much freedom do you have as, as an athlete to just say not today
2: Well in my NFL contract it didn't exist right You're gonna get fined uh, you, you are caught you are uh, you know contractually obligated to speak to the media a certain amount of time and if you don't uh, the NFL can fine you and I assume that the WTA uh, is essentially um, um, in the same boat, right? There's a contract that's signed and um, there should be uh, waivers for that in, in particular when you're involving mental health. Now, I've seen a lot of people bring up the uh, uh, aspect of, <laughs> you know, uh, she's just she's just saying this. She's just saying mental health because she doesn't want to do it. I don't believe that for a second. No, me either. You know, uh, those people are, are are sitting on the side of, um, you know, conspiracies and things like that. Um, when somebody gets to this level of 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 a profession and this elite level, you know, they're, they 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 want to continue to do what they've always done, and that's just play the sport, and hopefully have the best mental health. Um, around it and enjoy every minute of of getting to experience this thing. There's a ton of time. I mean, I, I look back on my NFL career and I don't see much of an, of an enjoyable experience ever. Now that's partially because of how I behaved and everything like that, of course. But when you reach your, your goal and you reach your dream and it turns into a nightmare because of your mental health, and you never did anything about it because you were so worried and the stigma existed and so much that you couldn't speak about it publicly and openly. Yeah, that's a problem. So I'm really, really proud of her. I'm proud of the people that have stepped up. I'm awfully proud of reporters and journalists in general who are actually taking a look in the mirror and going, hey, how, how have I contributed to maybe somebody's mental health? And that's an important step. And I love that I've heard that from them over the last few days.
0: Well, I was going to say, I think another point is that whenever some of these athletes are going up to the podium or talking to reporters, all these reporters use everything they say against these athletes sometimes, even like particular words. And that can just cause so much stress and anxiety for athletes just to think about what they want to say or how they want to say it, because everything they use will be used against them.
1: And on top of that, I think that people forget. And we've talked about this a couple of times on the show with various players and situations, but People forget. I mean, ultimately, she's a 23-year-old person. Yeah. You know, she's 23 years old. And I mean, people <laughs> in their mid 30s have a tough time talking in front of a, a board meeting at work in front of 10 people or something, you know? And you're at the highest level in her particular sport. She's a number two player in the world, as you mentioned. Her focus is on trying to win the match and get better and win championships. And her that doesn't bring her as much stress the winning the championship which you think would would, would trump everything doesn't bring her as much stress no anxiety. that's the easy that it, it is it is mean, and 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 that's, you were that's doing really it since, you were,
2: since you could walk you know that's what? that's like that's like chewing gum for you it's just mm-hmm. it's just second nature
1: like, right which is which is it that is sad to me because the reason that is the case is because of, of the media and other things. And look, some athletes have dealt with it very well over their career, some haven't, and some you know, most are in between. But for her, she's coming out and just saying, like, look, it's a problem for me. I want to focus on my my job and, and my my uh, my love for the sport, and the anxiety I get from talking in front of people bothers me and it's gonna take away from my performance overall, which ultimately is all the fans actually care about. So now she's not gonna perform at top-notch. Because of the media and everything, and now people are bagging her because she's trying to do what's best for the entire situation, recognizing her struggle and and taking a step back. And <clears throat> Ryan, you and I were talking before the show. It is nice that the com- you know the community and and everybody has come around four days later. But her initial situation was getting fined fifteen grand and getting harped on by everybody, and then realized it was like, oh, maybe that's a bad look for the sport. Why don't we dial it back and then support yeah. her? And that just seems like it's just so, so greasy to me. And it happens all the time. And I just, I can't, I'm super proud of her as well as an individual. I can't, um, you know, give kudos to the WTA. Like, oh, thanks for doing the right thing, guys. It's like, you're four days late. Oh, it just seems the, like too little. was the late.
0: initial reaction and, and it was not positive. So they were like, all right, we're going to switch this around and be like, all right, we're going to look into it. Like, you're, you're too late. It's too late.
2: It is. It's. It's too late. You know. You want to be on the right side of history, and and you know a ton of fear is 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 delved into uh, change, right? This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's worked. This is the way it will always be. Is not how our it, it, our world has proven that more and more over the last two years alone that evolving is what's going to make us a better human race with one another and. Um, I love that a 23-year-old woman is, is going to make substantive change in this world when it comes to something that probably has hampered a ton of people. I don't know if you guys were old enough to remember, but Ricky Williams, wouldn't, he was so, had so much anxiety around speaking to the media, he wouldn't take his helmet off. Mm-hmm. He did his interviews with his helmet on. Mm-hmm. And I go back to the night of the Heisman Trophy, and Randy Moss would not take off his glasses and he got a ton of shit from so many people about it they 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 joked about it he was he was high and and that was the furthest thing from the truth i told somebody that story i was golfing last week and and the response from him was like he was he was so high and i'm like no he wasn't he was having a mental health episode
0: Mm
2: -hmm. in the most public form you can imagine supposed to be honored and um and applauded for his performance on the football field and couldn't enjoy it, you know? So you can go back and look at so many different references to this, and people are just like, tough it up, football player, get over it. And uh, and people who are not, who are projecting, see a young woman who makes a lot of money, uh, who's a star, and says the reason why she makes a lot of money and she's a star is because the media... Uh, tells a bunch of stories and prints and put, and publicizes everything. And I go, no. The reason why she makes a lot of money and she's a star is because she's an exceptional tennis player. That's why that is. Mm-hmm. If no one reported it it, it, it wouldn't matter. She'd still, you know, make the money. Now the TV rights, okay, right? The TV rights pay for a ton of those purses and things like that. People are just going to watch it on TV. They're watching the event. They're not watching the person talk about the event. There's people that do that. They're called analysts and play-by-play announcers, right? That's where it goes. So we can talk about this the whole show because I think it's a really important one. Mm-hmm. Here's the question of the day. We can answer it. We'll talk a little bit more about it at the end. As a fan, do you even care if athletes do press conferences after events? All right. Sunfair, everybody. Um, I was on the road last week, didn't eat Sunfair all week long. Felt Felt it, right? I mean, I tried to do my best and eat right. Um, but it's just different, right? Sunfair.com personalized, delivered, healthy meals. I started this July 3rd last year. We're coming up on a year. It's been 10 months. Um, I've lost 75 pounds all because of the food. And, uh, this food is delivered right to your doorstep every morning. Here's a few pictures of, of show the progress. That one, the bottom was when I started the t- upper two are, are visuals of what, I guess the last couple of weeks have looked like. And uh, I, ordered, I ordered clothes this week, uh, some new Nike golf stuff. I actually ordered a large shirt. Now, I don't think it's going to be long enough, but it fit in my shoulders. Um, and I ordered 34-inch waist shorts. I, I don't know if I've ever been in 34-inch waist shorts. Maybe when I was 16. Who knows? But um, it's been all about the food. It really has. If you are in the uh, Los Angeles or Phoenix areas, check out sunfair.com. Go in, put all your information, select Carl Farrell as your sales representative, and then select the Ryan D. Leaf show about where you heard about Sunfair. Do it now. Um, The reason I made the shift, I got a a three-and-a-half-year-old boy. I want to be around. I'm going to be an old dad, so I want to be around as long as I can, and it's all about the food. It really is. sunfair.com. Check it out now. All right. Let's head on to the NBA, the playoffs in full effect. All right. Everything's kind of playing out how we expected. Uh, The Lakers, though, right, down AD after the injury, uh, got absolutely bootstomped last night by the Phoenix Suns in (laughs) Phoenix. Um, They're playing really well. Does the Lakers have, do the Lakers even have a chance? with AD and even with AD do they have a chance it was 2-2 two, two. Mm-hmm. a lot of things felt different now it's 3 3 to 2 heading back to LA tomorrow night
1: yeah uh it, it, this has been an interesting series right away it was it was neck and neck that the Lakers coming out of the play in tournament caught some steam and I had mentioned before that that if I were the Clippers I would have rather had the Lakers early before they caught steam but now AD goes down again LeBron's been beat up for the last month and a half uh, and then Chris Paul went down and we thought, okay, well here, are the Lakers just take And they did. Um, and then now these two have gone down and shifted back and forth, but man, Devin Booker's playing well. The Suns in general are playing well. Uh, the Lakers are in trouble in my opinion.
0: Yeah, completely agree. If, if there's no AD, they have, they have zero chance. Um, and Chris Paul is looking to like, he looks a lot more healthier this past game. He dropped like mm-hmm. 18 points, probably the most in the series. And the just gas. He's not getting too much help. I think Dennis Schroeder, was oh of nine from the field had zero points like LeBron needs some help of course like LeBron's LeBron is going to do his thing but without A D, they're not going to beat a very talented and 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 tough Phoenix sons team.
1: Yeah. And we we've we've seen with we've seen with some of these other teams uh Golden State Steph Curry has been out of his mind. They couldn't get out of the out of that first round. Uh we talked about Damian Lillard before the show breaking Klay Thompson's three point record in a playoff game with 13. And it just, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. The rest of the team, the rest of the team couldn't score a third of Damian's points by himself. And so they end up losing LeBron James being out ADB be, or LeBron beat up in AD being out Lakers don't have a shot And all of the highlights you're seeing over sports center from last night's game. It's just open pick and rolls, kick out to the three dish it down low. Cause nobody's there inside mm-hmm. and the sun's you know they were up what like 40 points or something like yeah, that I, 40, right. I,
2: I turned it off but it was 66 to 38 oh my goodness like and just and the <laughs> lakers are a
1: the lakers are a great team overall they got absolutely embarrassed and and i expect lebron and them to probably put out and maybe make it a game 7 uh but i don't see the suns losing two of the next or uh, two of the next uh, if, uh, games.
0: Just, if there's no ad like they may win another game but i don't think they're going to win the series i don't either Oh, the
2: only team that has won their series, right, is the Brooklyn Nets. No, so, from
0: Milwaukee. Not the Heath, uh, in Milwaukee. And
2: Milwaukee and Milwaukee. So Milwaukee was a name no one was really talking about. They looked they looked as good as anybody.
0: No, they've, they've uh, been overshadowed the whole year could because right? of and, and they're just the been East
2: duper. the East that got a lot of shit all year long, to me seems like they may have the better teams. The the the
0: the,
2: mm. the quarterfinals here in the East, I think are going to be pretty damn good. Um, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting, interesting finish there. In the West side, you're like, okay, you know, the Clips were down two zero, and now they're now they're back. Is it two two now? I think two two now. Um, yep. Yeah. So who you know, Luka Doncic has played out of his mind. The Clippers finally said, okay, we got to figure something out. Luka's um, on. you know, the Denver Nuggets, you know, stood last night. I don't think they have any staying power. Utah Jazz lost the opener to Memphis, and uh, I don't know what that looks like. There's, Phoenix looks like the the team maybe in the West. The Clippers are going to probably have a say if they get it through the, to the next round, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Eastern Conference team this year that ultimately the, gets it
0: done. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to one of my friends the other day, and I was mentioning the exact same thing, just how the teams in the East have looked just more impressive and, and more dominant, and, and I'm like, I'm very excited to see this Bucks, uh that series, because as you were saying, no one's really talking about the Bucks, no one's really talking about Giannis and Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Um, they did lose Dante DiVincenzo, which is a huge blow, but I just think that's gonna be a great series and it's really gonna test um, the Bucks and
1: it's really gonna test the big three in Brooklyn. We could have three more series wrap up tonight. Uh, if Philadelphia beats Washington tonight, that series is over. No, indeed, no, indeed, no true. Uh, but it is in Philadelphia and maybe they can get by him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta could get by the Knicks tonight and wrap up that mm-hmm. series. And Utah could get over Memphis and wrap up that series as well. Also tonight, Dallas and the Clippers tied 2-2. Two to two. So we're, mm-hmm. we're starting to wrap up most of these first-round series here.
0: How
2: anticlimactic, Knicks fans, if you were to get to the playoffs and be a four-seed and get ousted. Uh, they got one game. They got one game. Oh, no, they got one game. I, that's, You know, <laughs> oh,
1: that's a golf clap. That's
2: yeah. a golf clap Uh everybody. Breaking news today um there were a couple bombshells from the basketball side of things right danny age is going to step down as basketball operations and uh coach stevens brad stevens is actually going to step down from coaching and move up into the front office which is that was a that was an interesting move i i I like him as the head coach but i mean i I guess what's that
0: i'm sorry i just did not see that coming at all yeah so um, I, I I
2: don't quite know what to think of that I've talked to a few of my Boston friends they're a little they're a little taken back by it all um, and then the other big news is that uh, coach K Mike Sheshevsky mm-hmm. has come out and said next year will be his final year as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils yeah. um, can you even imagine another head coach at Duke I mean I don't even know what that what that looks like, or what that would be. Is it a former player of his no. that comes back and, and does it? You naming, think um,
0: they're naming John Shire associate head coach, and he's gonna be the coach in waiting after uh, Coach K's gone. well that, 75
1: years old. Crazy. Yeah.
0: He's made the yeah. final four in 25% of his seasons.
1: He also has some Olympics, championships, obviously. He's probably been in the Hall of Fame for about 25 years already also a,
2: also a serious XM uh, host for ESPNU by the way go serious XM all right um, all right let's go back to we haven't been here right as we went off on Friday Phil Mickelson was still leading the PGA championship and I made it very clear to everybody as everybody else took the field I said I'm going with Phil you know I'm gonna go with the uh, with the elderly here and do just. <laughs> Dude bombed. Just hit bombs the whole tournament, and then the final shot of the day—well, not the final shot, but the final approach shot—he hits it too far on his drive, and it goes up to the left by the people. I don't know if you guys have seen the shot from behind. Like, there's people still lined up in his like, like if he—I could never hit that shot because I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blade this thing right into somebody's noggin and kill him. <laughs> and he just puts a buttery, uh, a buttery cut five, uh, nine iron right into the green high. He is the PGA champion at fifty years old, the oldest major champion ever. He did it by taking on all comers, including Brooks Kepka, who is, you know, you know, <laughs> far and away one of the best major players in the last decade, has four championships, um, and was 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 revved and, and, and ready to to make a, a splash in this one as well, but but couldn't get it done. Your guys' thoughts on Phil winning it at fifty.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I'm a, I try to hold myself as a man of integrity, and I will come out right away and say that uh, I was just straight up wrong. Um, I, took the fiel- <laughs> I, I took the field over Phil, and I'll be honest, Ryan, if I paid a little bit more attention and I realized that Phil had also been eating Sunfair for the last year and looked like, looked like he was 35 years old, the dude was absolutely ripped at 50. Well, I honestly had not, no let's idea. Not, let's
2: not call ripped, but well, hold, on, hold, on, hold on,
1: hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Where, okay, the, the mental image I have of Phil Mickison over the last 20 years is not in shape. Okay, I don't want to be rude to the man, but not in shape. Okay, he is absolutely in great shape comparatively mm-hmm. currently at age 50, and clearly that helped him sustain. I had made the comments that my only concern was that he wouldn't be able to sustain it throughout the entire weekend as the young bucks come up behind him and maybe just, you know, outpace him on drives, whatever, long in the weekend. Clearly that wasn't the issue. Uh, Phil also, by the way, played well.
2: Also, also, by the way, longest major championship ever, longest ever.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: No problem. he 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 hit the longest drive of the day, 368 yards, by the way.
1: Very, very impressed. And, uh, I just miscalled it. Um, I, uh, oh, I'm I think hang, a lot hang... of people did. I, I,
2: I think if you, if uh, there were there were so many examples of people who bet Phil Mickelson and made thousands and thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. So um, I should have I should have walked to the bookie uh, Friday after the show after I you know promised to uh, I, I can't remember if I had promised to shotgun an athletic brew if he won or if he lost.
1: I can't we'll remember. To, but I'll uh, I'll have to check the tape in the archives. We'll get back to you. <laughs>
0: Wow, it was awesome. It was great for the sport, and it, it just shows like how unique golf is. In that, it doesn't matter how old you are. Nicholson's the oldest player to win a major, and he's going up against these 30 year thirty-year-old guys who are training every day and shape and lifting. So it just—I I thought it was awesome.
1: Right. I thought was it was great a- too. I
0: did not
2: like, uh, and and this is something that we probably can get into on Friday. Uh, fans reacclimating back to events the PGA championship, also all the basketball games and all the crazy shit we've seen fans doing at basketball games. Um, you know, it was it was uncomfortable for Phil. It was uncomfortable for Brooks. Fans just didn't care. No one was wearing masks. I mean, it was just, even if you have some, even if you're vaccinated, but you have some reservations around it. Like I was in Nashville last week, and I walked into the pro shop of the golf course I went to play. Um, and I walked in with my mask, and everybody like it was like one of those scenes from a movie where somebody walks into a bar, and they're and everybody stops, and the music quiet. screeches, and everybody yeah. looks up and goes, "Who is this? Who is this?" Yo, You're go not from around here. Mask. He <laughs> ain't from yeah. around here. No one. No one's yeah. wearing a mask. It like it doesn't exist in Nashville now. Maybe that's just because of where I've lived for the last year in during this pandemic in Los Angeles, where everything's been shut down. But uh, it, it, it's the fans that and people snap pictures of it and, and reminisce around what it looked like when Tiger won the two champ- tour championship a couple of years ago, it's, it can be unnerving and uncomfortable. And, uh, and, uh, um, and fans at games have to reacclimate and understand what it, what it, what it means to be at a game as a spectator, not as a participant mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. You are a spectator. You participate by being loud. That's how you change the aspect of things in games. So, uh, 's it's been It's been hard to watch.
1: Right. Gotta... maybe they need to
2: start selling athletic brew yes. at, at games. Athletic brew everybody go to athleticbrew.com non-alcoholic, good uh, non alcoholic great taste, uh, less calories, uh, non-alcoholic brews brew without compromise. Go now shop now at athleticbrewing.com and you can order uh, uh, you can order um, any kind of beer you want. Also, you get ten percent off any shipping to your house. Uh, this is probably be a good idea. For I, I know for a fact that um, some airlines, because of rowdy passengers, American Airlines and Southwest Airlines have cut out alcohol on their flights mm-hmm. um, because of. And I do think it's like the impulsive nature of people. They have not been around people in a while, and they're. Uh, they're triggered much easier and they it's it's happened at games, you know, throwing things on players and running out onto the court. I mean it's the mental health of our country right now, uh, this world, essentially because of the pandemic, is real. And we're watching it play out in real time. Order, if you're if you are a, a stadium somewhere, call up our boys at athletic Brew and order uh, shit time. Everybody will enjoy the great taste. Of Athletic Brew, but none of the consequences that come with it. Alright, speaking of... Uh, what's the best word I can think of here? Um, <laughs> full of shit. Um, the Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka little love affair. Okay? Uh, people have loved it. And don't get me wrong, it, it, it makes for good fodder. <laughs> Alright, but... Bryson DeChambeau is a bit of a, you know, I, he he's, comes from a science background. He looks at things analytically. He has a, he's a bit of a nerd. And I also think he's, I think there's some, you know, there's a social um, uncomfortability with him. And for whatever reason, Brooks Kepka has made it his mission to bully this guy. I, and that's, that's, that's exactly what this is. Brooks Kepka, who is a Florida State Seminole, who grew up his whole life in the uh, uh, entitlement and elitism of country clubs playing golf, um, is acting tough. And he's always acted tough. Like, you know, if Brooks Kepka ever got into a fight with anybody, he'd get his living ass kicked, all right? Um, he's never been in anything like that. He's just, he's just talking a bunch of shit. And I don't understand... He he looks like a prick in all this. Is what he looks like. He doesn't look like he's. You know, it makes for good fodder for, for stories that are written. But I I, I don't see how Brooks Kepka walks away from all this stuff and goes. And people think like, damn, Brooks Kepka is, is a stud. I love that guy. You know, I guess he's a barstool sports guy. Maybe that's the that's the that's the fan base that that uh, that loves him. But he he really when it comes all sudden that is is bullying, Bryson DeChambeau. Now Bryson doesn't necessarily know how to take it. So he kind of gives it back in return and it's incredibly uncomfortable for everybody else. I think that is watching it play in real time, but you know, Brooks is, uh, you know, I was playing golf with some buddies on uh, before I flew home last week and we were talking about it and we were just like, you know, what's the biggest like scuffle Brooks Koepka has ever been in, you know, did him, did him and his boys from his frat kind of mix it up with a, uh, some boys from another frat or something like that back in college? I mean, that's exactly what this is, you know. Um, he's not a tough guy, you know. In fact, he's, he's probably uh, the, the cheapest version of a tough guy you can think of. And I don't know if anybody's really said that. I think everybody's just enjoyed, uh, you know, the banter back and forth through this process. But Brooks kind of looks like a big old, big old whiner in this, in this, in this scenario,
1: it's, it's very, it's a strange situation to follow because on ESPN and all the headlines, they keep saying, you know, this spat or this feud or whatever. It's like, that's a stretch. First of all, it's not a feud if it's one way. And this, this seems to me like it's a one way thing. Like you said, like bullying usually is, is one way, or this dude talking smack on another dude to get in his head is a one way situation. And yes, Bryson is kind of trying to poke back to like stand up for himself, but it doesn't seem like he's doing the same things and, and going after this guy at the same point. So it's just, it's unfortunate. We I mean, we've, we've seen player rivalries, like legitimate player rivalries in sports forever. Um, there's generally though, an underlying amount of respect in that, like the competitor in each of these guys wants to be the best. That's why they go at it. And that's why it's nasty when they're on the court, the floor, the grass, whatever. Um, this so far just, and it's just kind of funny to be in golf, in my opinion, to have this going on, um, the, just the type of sport that it is. Um, but I mean, again, I have no interest personally in following this. I don't see it happening. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that Kepka is intimidated by, uh, DeChambeau and that's it. He, he feels like he is somehow, you know, potentially going to be taken over here and he's trying to get in his head before it happens. Uh, otherwise, he seems. To I, I, the don't he, I don't think. I don't think there's it. a
2: motive at all. I think he's just kind of a douchebag, and this yeah, is but, just how this is how this is how a douchebag behaves. You know, rolling his eyes about hearing clicks yeah. on the ground. I mean, the, I mean, DeChambeau made a comment about renting. You know, living, living rent free in his, his head. head. I thought it was a you know weak. I think it was unoriginal, but <laughs> there's some. It sounds like there's some truth in that because the guy walked along in his spikes. Mm-hmm. Behind him in an interview, and he yeah, was—it was made him have a reaction, like a visceral reaction. Like, I
0: mean, I just—I just also think it's childish too, because all the feud that the, the whole feud or whatever is happening, it's all on Twitter. Like, they're not saying anything face to face either. It's like you're not going up against each other. They've had f-
2: some. They've had the interactions in person on the course. Like, Deschambeau came and said something to his caddy, and then when your boss gets here, tell him that you can come to my. F- Talk to me in my face, so they, you know, I would, I would uh, liken this to a couple marshmallows banging into each other. Uh, <laughs> if if ever a confrontation happened, just just a soft, smushy. Uh, uh, uh. It's like a basketball fight when a guy jumps up and they push, their are face to face, but everybody gets in front of them. This is this is essentially that, except it's even it's it's worse because it's, you know, kind of two white elitist guys that grew up in country clubs going to go. We're gonna we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna get it on
0: yeah. what they
2: should do is uh, we're watching you know influencers and Instagram and uh, you know influencers go and fight people for millions and millions and billions of dollars on pay-per-view de and 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 Brooks should just just get it over with let's you know God. go have a go have a uh, exhibition boxing match they, my, you know, my, would make my, money would, my dad would fully make money
1: for you. Oh, a yeah, lot of, of, of it my dad, uh, my dad used to always tell me when, when we were kids, you know, growing up in the '60s, uh, '70s, that when they had fights, uh, the PE teacher would often give them boxing gloves, and then they would fight it out <laughs> in the gym and legitimate, like, do it, like, supervised, and you can't, like, you know, kick him while he's down and stuff, but you you box it out for thirty seconds, a dude falls over, you call it good, and you know, you hug it out at football at of football practice later that over. day
2: you know yeah and it, it's it like deals with concussion sim- symptoms well, the rest of, of
1: life. course this yeah. this this situation though is just it is so silly it feels like a middle school uh you know banter situation that's that's not going to go anywhere and just the spirit of what the sport of golf is like in football or basketball like hockey physical sports you can literally like get after somebody um at one way or another and it just it just uh isn't happening in golf, so I'm wondering if Kepka's actually putting himself at a disadvantage long term because of this whole living in his head thing. Deschamps clearly so. I think is, again, you go to the like the,
2: I think that it's just. I think it's just a bunch of nonsense and bullshit, and they just look, you know, look like petty, petty and petulant it's children. Just,
0: it um, it's, it's just petty. That's a great way to describe it.
2: Um, you know, I had a, I I played in the Genesis proam uh before the pandemic hit and I got a chance to spend a little time on the range with um Bryson very amicable uh, uh, young man talked to me for a little bit kind of you know he's very analytical It's 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 a science to him and stuff like that so everything he does you know he's he's probably one of those guys that like if i if he didn't have to talk to the media he wouldn't he would just play golf and hit bombs and show these bonkers numbers on his Mm-hmm. Uh, you know track man that's that's what he would do uh, he doesn't you know he's not interested in in what other people think of him uh, clearly the Brooks Koepka thing for me is just the more and more I hear him talk he bitched and moaned a lot about you know the the people after the uh, PGA championship and I, I kind of have his back on that one a little bit because you know you can be overwhelmed and you have a bad knee and people bumping into you and things like that so I would have hoped the PGA would have done a better job of keeping people back away from the players. But he also bitched a lot. I mean, he's just it seems like he whines a ton. And I think, you know, he's had an incredible comeback and in playing the way he has with his knee and the pain that's come with it. And um, I don't think people are are willing to look at that now because of of you know, sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And that's very much the case when when words come out of Brooks Kepka's mouth. At least it is for me. And I have a pretty good like asshole radar because I was an asshole for so long. So if I close my eyes and go, that sounds like Ryan leaf from like 1998, I go, Oh, Oh, Brooks is teetering on, on 1998 leaf territory. That could be bad, bad, bad. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. But, uh, um, maybe what he needs to do is, uh, you know, to spice up his life instead of spicing that with Bryson is, is go get some bomb banana hot sauce, everybody. I'm so good at transitioning today. I think it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Bomb banana hot sauce, everybody. All right. Uh, hot sauce company founded in early 2020 by four friends at the university of Michigan. Um, I love it. I had some on my eggs this morning special about it is that it's, it's made from, from bananas. It's banana based, not to be confused with banana flavor. That's a big part of it. Uh, two different kind of bottles. You see the, the white, which is a little more mild, and the red, the mooie-mooie, which is a little more spicy. Go to SeekTheSpice.com. That's SeekTheSpice.com. All one word. And today you can receive 10% off your first order by using the promo code LEAF. That's L-E-A-F, like on a tree. Order some today. You'll get 10% off. Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, everybody. Spice it up. All righty. Spicing it up. Well, the NFL for the first time seemingly feels like it kind of hit a lull. You know, the draft happened. uh, There were some, you know, some, some releases. The cap number was set. The schedule was released. But the biggest story that still remains, and it happened the Thursday morning of draft night, the Aaron Rodgers spectacle. We've talked about how we haven't heard too much of him. We talked how he was going to go on Kenny Mayne's last Sports Center show, and he did. And Kenny did ask him a few questions, and he talked about values. Loves the team, loves his teammates, loves the town, the fans, the city, everything like that. Um, and the coach, you know, the only guy left off that was Ryan Gudekunst, who is the general manager who did not involve him in the discussion around Jordan Love, not even gave him a call. Hasn't really filled him up with a lot of love in terms of players he felt can help contribute. And, um, and I think he didn't flat out say he he doesn't want to be there. He just says, I don't, you know, I don't know if, if, if there's, this is reconcilable because of um, the values of myself and, and, and some people there with, with the Packers. Now I was 50, 50 for a long time, just sporting on when I was going to finally hear something concrete. I've shifted more and more towards the side of you're going to see Aaron Rodgers in a green Bay Packers uniform next year. I'm with, you. Uh, just like when Seattle and the Russell Wilson stuff was going on. I was, I was almost a hundred percent behind the idea that Russell was going to end up in Seattle. There's no way it could, it could change. Um, the Packers aren't going to trade him. Uh, they've said that publicly. The only way they move up that spot is if Aaron if truthfully chooses to retire. And when that happens, what that looks like, what, what it does. There is one point to be made here, and I think I've made it a little bit in terms of at some point his teammates are going to look at him and go, hey, you just walked away from $500,000 to spend uh, time with your, your girlfriend or your fian- fiance in Hawaii, and there are guys on this team who are making less than that in a season um, and have a chance at a championship. And you want to walk away from that because you don't feel like they've shown you the love enough. You've made more money than anybody on that roster. Um, You've won three MVPs. You've done the work, all this stuff. At some point, this is going to flip on Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to look more and more like a petulant child than a guy that should be given some leeway and end up – I just think that the Tom Brady scenario last year made some guys feel like, hey, I can maybe find the place that actually gets it done, who loves me, who lets me say – what I want to say, and they listen to me and do what I want to do. Unfortunately, there's a reason why somebody has seven championships, and his name is Tom Brady, okay? They're, Aaron Rodgers is as close as you're gonna get, but the guy's played in five NFC championships, he's been to a Super Bowl once. At some point you gotta talk about, hey, why hasn't he got it done? Last year, if I'm him and the game's on the line there, I look over at Matt LaFleur and I say, Keep that fucking kicker on the sideline. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose because it, the ball's in my hand. Yeah. All right. So there's some accountability here too, right? If you have the balls in the off season to stick up for yourself and say, hey, I want this, I want that. You should have the balls in the moment in what you do for a living on the football field to do that. And we're creeping closer and closer to a point where it's going to go bad for him. Now he can sit out the entire preseason and all training camp and come back the week of the first game and still play. He's, he works hard enough. He he knows the offense. He'll be ready to go. So that's not an issue. It's just a matter of who calls who's bluff first. And I just, I, I feel like the Packers aren't going to do it before Aaron Rodgers has to suit up and play out the last two years of his contract in green Bay.
1: I agree with you. And for a long time, I thought he was going to move and then draft day happened and he didn't. And then, I thought he was going to uh potentially, you know, contemplate retiring. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Then sitting out, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. Um I do think he will play for Green Bay uh week 1 and we'll see what happens. We have you know, there could be another big move here in the next day or two that could really entice him to come back to Green Bay. Um but ultimately I think you're right and and um if you know with him not being able to get over that hump what four out of five times not getting out of that nfc championship game to a super bowl the only one he went to he won uh but still not getting to multiple is tough and yes the tom brady thing is a thing now and the all of nfl is going to want to do that at the starting quarterback position forever but tom brady's tom brady and very few other people have um the ability to do that i would say that aaron Rodgers would be one of those people that would but clearly the upper management doesn't necessarily feel the same and if they don't It's too bad. Russell Wilson, same thing. He and Pete Carroll were able to kind of kiss and make up, and they're going to move forward at least this year. Deshaun Watson's a whole other situation, but he wanted out before all of his allegations came out as well. So it's a mess, and the most important position in all of sports, um, which used to be pretty cookie-cutter, is now pretty sloppy. And I think there's a lot of motion to happen in the next five years or so on how quarterbacks are either involved like Tom Brady is or they're just not involved at all which seems to be the case of Aaron Rodgers and and Russell Wilson even at the top of the game
0: yeah but going off a different point for a second something I something I saw that was like really interesting to me was when Aaron Rodgers didn't show up to OTAs neither did his wide receiver court Devonta Adams didn't show up Marquez Valdez Scandling Devin Funchess etc so it kind of shows you that the wide receivers are behind Aaron they want Aaron to get the respect and and get the values that he wants. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the one throwing them the ball and one of the all-time greats, but it I think it just shows how important and how much of a connection he has with that team.
2: They don't realize that he's throwing them under the bus, saying they're not good enough.
1: So him you mean I, I, by I'm, him by him not sh- Ryan, by him not showing up, that's that's the message.
2: No, the message when he's asking for wide receivers and stuff like that is telling his wide receivers they're not good enough. He needs better players.
0: No, but they didn't show up either, is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, but they don't show up, they, you know, veterans rarely show up for these types of things, you know. So it, it it wasn't a it wasn't a solidarity thing in my mind. I just think it 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 was done because of a lot of a lot of players are staying away this year. The NFLPA asked a lot of players to actually stay away. Some some are some aren't. So I don't I don't really read into that too much because this team this team is not going to be happy with their star quarterback if he doesn't show up to play and help them try to win a championship because this team is built better than any other team that Aaron Rodgers could go to to win a championship right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, now what, what about this uh, what about this chatter, Ryan, coming from Gudekunst and others that Jordan Love may not be ready, if they have to play him, like they will, but maybe he's not ready for week one, blah, blah, blah. Do you think this is just kind of like – smoke to get Aaron to be like, hey, Aaron, you're our guy. Uh get get on board with this. Or is Jordan Love straight up not ready to go? And if Jordan Love's not ready to go, not only we could talk about the pick is a whole nother thing. But he is your your second string quarterback as of right now, with five other kind of journeyman backup quarterbacks behind him for depth. But Jordan Love's supposed to be your guy whenever Aaron Rodgers moves on. And it doesn't sound like at least publicly the uh the um good and the the Packers organization are behind this kid.
2: They're behind him. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to have him start in 2023. That was the plan, just like Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people assume that Aaron Rodgers would have been ready to start out the gate. No one knows that because he was so good after Brett Favre left. A lot of people who are are familiar with the situation, the reason Aaron Rodgers didn't play, you have Brett Favre, of course, but he also wasn't ready to be a starting quarterback for an NFL team. Hmm. So this is not, this wasn't the plan. Green Bay Packers go about it in a different way. They've had two quarterbacks in the last two decades or, or last
1: 40 uh, years, almost 40 years. Yeah.
2: Essentially almost. Yeah. Okay. So this is how they go about their quarterback situation. They get a guy, they develop him, Uh, and they thought Aaron's got three years left on his contract. Let's bring him in, develop him. And when Aaron's contract is up, we move on to Jordan love. And for the next, hopefully 18 years of our, franchises exist and we have a franchise quarterback. That's what it's there for. So I'm not I don't think for a moment that that the pick or anything like that uh uh is wrong because he's not ready to go in year 2 because guess what? They weren't they didn't they didn't develop him and prepare him for the idea that he's going to be the starter in year 2. Um the one thing you can compare to is is Carson Palmer in I think 2011 Um, around uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and him saying, I'm just going to retire. And away he went. The difference is they had a high draft pick. They took a guy named Andy Dalton. And then Andy Dalton, the first six games of the season was pretty darn good. And they go, oh God, we don't, we can make the playoffs. So we can, we can compete without Carson. So they threw his name out there on the open market. And sure enough, Hugh Jackson and the Oakland Raiders bit. And away he went. So if Jordan Love gets in, early in the season and he has some success, then Guttekunst and that organization can go, okay, let's go get a bunch of stuff to help Jordan Love with some assets with what we get from Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how it all plays out. I expect him to be in a Green Bay Packers uniform on, um, on the first Sunday of the season. I don't see how it can't be best chance for him to win a Super Bowl unless he just simply wants to walk away, you know, He's, he's got three MVPs, a Super Bowl championship. Uh, he's got a lot of opportunities in business, opportunities post-career. Uh, Hall of Famer? He'll be, he'll be content. Yeah, definitely. Hall of Famer. Um, all right, moving on to a little more news around the NFL. The Julio Jones mess, right? Uh, he went on uh, undisputed with uh, Shannon Sharp. I don't know if it was willingly or if it was... Just a phone call. So no one has actually commented on whether or not that happened. If you're going to have a guy come on the show, why have him call your personal phone? Call the call the hotline so the sound is better uh, through a process, just like we do on this show. You know, I, I don't pick up a phone call from from somebody and go uh, here. You know, speaking to my uh, my headset. That's just, that's <laughs> not how it works. So maybe he said that with the idea that no one was supposed to hear it. I also think. Professional athletes have some of the most fragile egos you can imagine. And once you are told or once you hear that there's some interest in trading you, your alarms go off. Your defensive nature goes up and you go, fuck you. You don't love me, then I don't love you. And um, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons and they have to do something because they don't have enough money under the cap right now to sign their rookies. And guess what? You got a pretty damn good one in Kyle Pitts you need to sign before the season starts. If you don't do something to move some money around, you're not going to be able to do that. But if I'm the Atlanta Falcons and I know we're going to have to score a mountain of points this year, I figure out a way to do it defensively and just chalk it up to like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna struggle defensively this year. Find ways to move move the money around. Keep keep Julio Jones on that roster for Matt Ryan because then you've got Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley in Arthur Smith's offense. Hayden Hurst is a tight. I mean, it is. You're going to have to score a boatload of points. Why remove somebody who can actually score a bunch of points for you? So if I'm the new general manager there in Atlanta and I'm conversing with Arthur Smith and you guys are deciding on a plan you're like, hopefully the defensive players we took uh, in the draft and got in free agency can get it done or at least get it done enough to get some stops. But this offense has to be a juggernaut and it's only a better juggernaut if Julio Jones is on the roster. If not, They're going to be, you know, they're still going to be good on offense, but they could be mediocre and down the line and just get, you know, they're going to have to score a ton of points, bottom line. And you take a a piece of it that can score a bunch of points for you. I I think if I'm Atlanta, I'm keeping them there.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough, though. Um, They they haven't had a defense in the last three seasons and actually on paper preseason each year it looks good like the players they have on that team on paper look fine raheem morris did a great job coming in the second half of last year completely turned that team around when dan quinn got ousted um but he's gone now uh however they've come in hurt each year like the chargers have and that's just demolished them and now it's been run and gun with matt ryan and julio and calvin Ridley for years and they haven't been able to win games unfortunately um because it's after June 1st, uh, this is a big deal in the NFL. June 1st, now they're able to split his contract, so the team scooping him up only needs to pay seven point seven five million instead of like a twenty two um, or whatever. So that's going to help a lot. Well, in ultimately,
2: they, no, they take on they take this year seven and seven. They still have to take on the rest of the contract. It's still right next year's
1: does. next year's fifteen, but not twenty two right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so that that's helpful, and I think it's a long shot, but it you know they could potentially look at maybe Green Bay looks there. The Buffalo Bills, who nobody's been talking, I mean, every team has been in this Julio saga for the last five days. But the Buffalo Bills just kind of quietly renegotiated Safan Diggs' contract to move some money around, too. They don't have a solid number, two, in my opinion, and they are an immediate contender, basically with only the Chiefs uh, in the way, in my opinion, in the AFC. Um, So that could be interesting as well. But Julio Jones is going to make any team better. And, yes, he's on the wrong side of 30 as far as the NFL is concerned, but he's still an incredible player, absolutely top-notch, top-five player when he's healthy last year, even though he was banged up. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands, and that team immediately gets propelled.
2: We'll see. I think it's the best thing for Atlanta to find a way to, to keep him so they can score points because they're going to need to score a ton this year. Um, so do I. All right, fellas, welcome back. Um, good show. Um, we'll be back on Friday, same time, same channel, talking sports. We'll have a lot of NBA talk there. Hopefully, we'll have a better idea around some of this NFL conversation. You guys have a wonderful Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see you on Friday from Sky some from Sky Glasgow. That's terrible. I gotta get better at that. And Charlie Moss and our boy Jonathan Rifkin, home on the couch. We'll see you guys on Friday.